Well, God bless you. Welcome to the wonderful Words of Life radio program. Uh, we are after a 15-month study approaching and actually are beginning Passion Week, the last week before the Lord Jesus Christ is uh, crucified, uh, laid in the tomb, and resurrected. And we're going to be in Mark chapter 11. We're going to be in the first 11 verses. And the title of this session is Being Temples of Prayer and Vessels of Faith. So this is going to be an exciting uh, study uh, throughout this Passion Week over the next few weeks. And so I know you're going to enjoy it. Let's go ahead and pray and we'll get right into the study. In Jesus name, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness and for your mercy. We thank you, Father God, for the inspiration of the word of God. Lord, that speaks to us. Praise God. Hallelujah. Speaks to our spirit, to our minds. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit who teaches us all things and brings revelation to us. And so, Father, we bless you today. We thank you for your goodness and for your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. So, like I said, uh, over 15 months, we've been studying the life of Christ, and now we're moving into his last week, which is popularly called Passion Week. And we're going to be in Mark chapter 11. We'll begin in verse 1. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent forth two of his disciples and said to them, Go your way into the village over against you, and as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a colt tied, whereon never man sat. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord has need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met, and they loose him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do ye loosing the colt? And they said unto him, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. Notice how everything works according to the plan and purpose of God. Amen. Even uh, obtaining this uh, young foal and uh, and Jesus now is going to ride this foal and his triumphal entry into uh, the city of Jerusalem. Now, this was prophesied in the Old Testament and we're going to read these verses of Scripture, but I want to go ahead and read through uh, verse uh, 19. And uh, so we're in uh, verse seven. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked round about upon all things, and now the eventide was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. And they come to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple, and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves, and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, It is not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves." 
And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they fear him. Now, that's very important. We'll go back to this in a moment. Because all the people were astonished at his doctrine. And when even was come, he went out of the city. Now, there's a couple of things I want to say here before we go on. Number one, the people that were crying, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, were part of those that followed Jesus into Jerusalem, and they were uh, a claiming that Jesus, and that rightfully so, that Jesus is the Messiah, the King, who is to come of the seed of David. And that's very important. And so... The, uh, of course, the Pharisees and the Sadducees heard the people crying out and singing. And uh, this really caused them to be afraid of the Lord. And isn't it interesting how that people, when they fear something, they want to remove it. And see, this is the, the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin making plans now to destroy Jesus because of what the people were claiming. Amen. And of course, Jesus coming in, riding on a colt, fulfills Old Testament prophecy. In Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9, notice it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Notice that Zion is called a daughter. That's interesting. Amen. Daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king comes unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, upon a colt, the foal of an ass. Now, there's two things here I want us to see. When it says here, having salvation, the Jews considered salvation as being saved from her enemies, principally at this point in time, the Roman Empire. They weren't looking at salvation the way you and I look at salvation. Salvation to us is receiving Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, being born again, becoming a new creature in Christ Jesus. Amen. Praise God. So salvation meant to the Jews differently than what it means to us today. And also, notice uh, the people said, Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. See, the people that were surrounding Jesus and uh, thronging him as he made his triumphal, uh, triumphal entry into Jerusalem, they were making a de declaration uh, that uh, Jesus is the rightful king of Israel, that he is worthy and right to the throne of David. See, they're declaring Jesus to be their Messiah King. And of course, the word Hosanna, actually, it means, oh, save. And it's an adoration of the highest praise. And of course, this comes right out of uh, the last Halal Psalm, Psalm 118, that Jesus would have sung with his disciples as they left the upper room where they had the last Passover meal and made their way down the Kidron Valley up to the Mount of Olives. This is where Jesus, uh, notice he prayed. Uh, he at, told the disciples to watch and pray. And it was there that the, the chief priests and the soldiers of the chief priests and of the Sanhedrin came and arrested him. And of course, you know, we'll we'll get into that as the uh, as our sessions continue. But notice that Psalm 118, verse 26 says this. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. 
from, notice it says, from the house of the Lord, we bless you. So this is what the people who were thronging Jesus, this is what they were saying as they entered into Jerusalem. Well, you can imagine what that did to the Sadducees and the Pharisees because they knew exactly what these people were saying. They were declaring Jesus to be their Messiah King, you see. And this is why uh, that they sought, verse 18 of, uh, of what we just read, this is how they, they sought, they, might, they sought counsel together how they might destroy Jesus for they feared him. Amen. See, these people were so far away from God. I mean, they were so far away from God that they absolutely refused to accept Jesus as their Messiah, even the possibility that he is their Messiah. But notice once again, Psalm 118, 26, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. The house of the Lord was the temple of God. Amen. And so those that had the temple, they, they were the ones that were supposed to be receiving their Messiah King. Well, they weren't willing to do that. Amen. So this psalm is ascribed to the king of Israel, and it can only be ascribed to the king of Israel and to no other. So these people who were shouting highest praise were recognizing Jesus as their Messiah King. And of course, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they rejected that notion. And so while these people were praising and giving glory and honor to the king of Israel, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were plotting how they might destroy Jesus because they feared him. And there's a lot of reasons why they feared him. Number one, uh, their, their pride of position. Number two, their fear of the Roman Empire. You see, they really didn't recognize Jesus or their Messiah, rather, not just Jesus. They didn't recognize their Messiah King as the one uh, who would throw off their enemies. I mean, they were looking for one to do that, but they certainly didn't think it was Jesus. And so the interesting thing about uh, this passage is that what Jesus said, he said, he said, my temple, my house shall be called of all nations. Notice that, of all nations. See, part of the ministry and the mission of Israel is they were to speak to the Gentile nations of the glory and power of God. Well, they did exactly the opposite. And Jesus said to them, my house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer. But then he says, but you've made it a den of thieves. You have merchandised that which God calls holy. And the temple of God is holy. And Paul talks about this to the Corinthian church, didn't he? He said, the temple of God is holy. And then he says this, which temple you are. So part of God's intent for Israel was that for them to be a nation that prayed and that communed with him. And that was a witness to the Gentile nations. But instead of Israel doing that, amen, they made a ritual out of God's revelation and they kept it to themselves. Remember the parable about the, the talents that were given and one kept the talent to himself and buried it, amen, and he was cast out? Well, Jesus was really talking about the nation of Israel. See, they, they, had, they had a revelation. That revelation given to them in the law of Moses, given, them into the, uh, given to them in the history of Israel. 
that they were be they were to be a glory, a light unto the Gentiles. Well, they kept that gift, that calling. They kept it unto themselves, you see. And this generation uh, and that's going to crucify and kill the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, they're the ones that are going to be cast out. Israel was called to be a light unto the Gentile nations to draw them into fellowship with the Father God. See, God is after the whole world. He's just not after one nation. He's after the whole world. He's after everyone. Praise God. But Israel failed. And where Israel has failed, see, God brought forth the church. And it is the church that now is the light of the world. Jesus said that. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Talk, talking to the disciples, but also talking to us. And we're the ones that are to fill the Great Commission. All of us. Not just the preacher. Not just the missionaries. All of us. All of us have a part in the Great Commission of bringing salvation to the entire world. And I thank God that there are, that we are supporting and we are going into all the world preaching the gospel. See, that's your part. You know, you being a church member, get involved in missions. Well, you know, I'm too old. I can't get out and witness and testify. No, but you've got money. You can certainly support those that do. Get your hands involved in the in the salvation of lost sinners. Praise God. Fulfill your part in the Great Commission. Amen. So Jesus called himself the light of the world, but he also called believers the light of the world. And what is our commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel? So in 70 A.D., the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed and all the Levitical sacrifices and worship ceased. However, through Christ, amen, through the new birth and him sending the Holy Spirit and birthing the church, the temple now has moved out of a building and has moved into the hearts of believers. That's you and that is me individually and corporately. The Holy Spirit dwells in you individually and you as part of a fellowship. The Holy Spirit dwells corporately in the church uh, the body of Christ. And so now we are the temple of God. We are the place where God dwells. Now, God does come and he dwells in church buildings only because the church is there. The church is not the building. The church is just the place where believers come. Amen. The, the real church is the individual believer and the corporate believer called the body of Christ. Amen. And as the temple of God, we are created to be a temple of prayer. My house shall be called, of all nations, a house of prayer. You are individually, and as a member of a church corporately, the house of prayer. Amen. And prayer is to be want continually. Amen. We're called to be that temple of prayer for all nations. And Jesus himself said that we are to ask we are to seek and we are to knock. He said that we are to ask. Ashley James says this. We are to ask in faith, nothing wavering. Jesus said that we are always to pray and not to faint, not to quit, not to give up. Amen. The reason we're not seeing revival is because we've given up praying for revival because it hasn't come. Well, let's ask ourselves the question. Are we doing all that we are supposed to do in prayer in order for revival to come? And the answer is a no. Amen. 
We are to gather together with those who have the same mind concerning revival. And we are to pray continually. Praise God. We're to have meetings. Amen. See, God will move in an atmosphere like that. He has in the past and he will now and he will in the future. Also, the scripture tells us to pray always. It tells us to continue in prayer. It tells us to pray without ceasing. It tells us to pray first. Now, does that does this include just five or ten minutes a day that we pray? Absolutely not. We are to add to that five or ten minutes a day. We are to continue. We are to pray without ceasing. We are to pray always. So now the church of God is is made up of Jew and Gentile. Every saved Jew and every saved Gentile makes up the church of God. And the church of God is the temple of the living God. And we are to offer unto him the sacrifice of praise and prayer. We are to give him the fruit of our lips. Amen. And we are to be that light that shines for all to see. Amen. And it is true. It's true. It's a true statement. Everybody goes to where the fire is burning. I remember my dad. There was a house caught on fire in the neighborhood. He had to get into his car and he had to go look at it. He had to go find it. Amen. Churches that are on fire, people will just come to see it, to watch them burn. Amen. Praise God. So let's get on fire. Praise the Lord. All right. Now, this next session covers the vessels of faith. Now, we just talked about us being temples of prayer. Now, let's talk about being vessels of faith. We're in Mark 11 now, verse 12. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. Now, this is on a Monday now. He's already come Sunday. He made his triumphal entry, went into the temple, saw what was going on. Amen. And so he went back to Bethany the next morning. That would have been Monday. He goes in and he he uh, uh, casts out the money changers, cleanses the temple. Amen. So this is the next day. So we would assume that this is Tuesday. OK. And on the morrow, when they were come for Bethany, he was hungry and seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves. He came if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto him, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. I want you to notice the the power and the authority by which Jesus says this. Amen. That's very important for us. Amen. To see. And Jesus answered and said unto it. He spoke to the fig tree. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. He spoke to an inanimate object, something that was alive but couldn't talk back. He spoke to that fig tree. Amen. Just like you and I, I'm getting ahead of myself. Just you and I are to speak to things that we can't see, things that cannot answer. Amen. If we want it to move, we're going to have to speak to it. No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering said to them, Have faith in God. So they're on their way from Bethany to Jerusalem. Jesus goes to the fig tree because he's hungry. He doesn't find figs on it, although it was supposed to have some on there. He curses the fig tree, commands it to die and to wither. 
And so the following day, they're making the same journey from Bethany to Jerusalem. And the disciples noticed Peter uh, especially noticed that the fig tree was dried up from the roots. Jesus says in verse 22, and Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Notice, first of all, how many times Jesus said shall. Didn't say if. He said shall. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive, if you have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. So that's reading down through verse 26. But notice Jesus said, have faith in God. Actually, the conjunction therein is not in the original Greek. So Jesus said, recorded, have faith God. And that's the reason why some expositors say, you could say it this way, have the faith of God or have the God kind of faith. Amen. Actually, uh, uh, the Greek word theu, God, is written in the accusative case of. Have faith of God. We could say it that way. Amen. But it's better English to say have faith in God. So Jesus here, he's defining God's faith. And he tells the disciples, you have the faith of God. And then he tells them in verse 23, what is the faith of God? Notice it says, for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain... The, a mountain is an inanimate object. It's not going to answer back. But yet Jesus said, speak to this mountain. Well, what is that mountain? Well, it may be a mountain of sickness. It may be a mountain of lack or want. It may, may be a, a mountain of distress. Amen. You know, we get caught up and anxious and in care about a lot of things. Amen. And we carry that care around. And it begins to hurt us emotionally and physically. When Jesus said, this is what you're going to do with that care. This is what you're going to do with that anxiety. You speak to it, command it to cease. And it'll be gone. Amen. Praise God. So there's a lot of mountains in our life. And Jesus said, if you want to get rid of that mountain, you got to speak to it. That whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea. Notice the power and authority in what Jesus is saying here. And shall not doubt in his heart. Doubt is the thief of God's greater blessings. That's the reason most of our prayers do not get answered or, or, or things that, uh, that uh, are troubling our life do not get moved out of the way is because uh, you know, we're praying, if it be thy will. And actually, that is the badge of doubt, if. Jesus is not saying if. He's saying when. He's saying to do this with authority and power, do it. Amen. But shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Amen. See, that's the faith of God. That's how God's faith operates. 
God doesn't walk around saying if he goes walk around. He makes declare it's a declarative. Amen. And it's based upon his authority. It's based upon his power and with authority and power. He commands. Amen. This is Luke found in Luke 436. He commands the spirits and they come out. That same authority and power has been given to you and I as believers. So we say to the mountains, notice that we say, we speak to the mountains in our life. Amen. Those things that are contrary to the will and the purpose of God. And we speak to them by authority and power and command. And we tell these things to be removed and they will be cast into the sea. But we cannot doubt in our heart. We have to be absolutely clear and concise and absolutely determined and know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Amen. That when we do this, it will happen. Praise God. These things will obey us. And Jesus said, if we'll do this, we'll have whatever we say. Notice verse 24. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Jesus said in his Olivet, I mean, his upper room discord, if ye if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Notice he said what you will. What do you will? Well, what you will has to be God's will. So if you're praying God's will, it's going to happen. Amen. As long as you don't doubt in your heart. Amen. So verse 24 tells us how we apply this faith of God. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. So this is commanding power in prayer. This is authoritative power in prayer. Whatever we desire when we pray, we are to believe that we receive them, not after we receive them. Well, I believe after it comes to pass, it's never going to come to pass, brother and sister. You're going to have to believe these things are going to come to pass before they do come to pass. Amen. Faith doesn't come after the healing. It comes before the healing. Faith doesn't come after the supernatural supply. It comes before the supernatural supply. But then Jesus adds these two things, and this will stop faith in its tracks. Notice this. And when you stand praying, forgive you have if you have ought against any that your father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father, which is in heaven, forgive you your trespasses. That's very important. Amen. That's very important. Amen. That we maintain. Amen. A life that's full of forgiveness because forgiveness stops faith dead in its tracks. And then finally, in the last part, ending this uh, this session, Jesus authority is challenged. And when they come, verse 27, again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, there come to him the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Remember now, they're afraid of Jesus and they want to destroy him. And they say unto him, what authority do you do these things and who gave this authority to you? And Jesus answered, said, I will ask you one question and answer me. I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? Answer me. And they reason with themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, why then did you not believe him? See, guilty of doubt and unbelief, guilty of unbelief. But if we shall say of men, they feared the people for all men counted John that he was a prophet. And they answered and said unto Jesus, we cannot tell. 
And Jesus answering said unto them, Neither do I tell you but what authority I do these things. See, Jesus knew them. He had read their mail. He knew exactly what kind of people uh, the Sanhedrin were. Amen. So in just go ahead and summarizing this, Mark records two powerful tenets of the Christian faith. That we are the temple of the living God, and because we are the temple of the living God, we are to be temples of prayer. And we are to offer up unto God continual prayer. And secondly, that we have been given the faith of God. We, we operate by the faith of God. We speak to those mountains. We speak to them in faith. We don't doubt in our heart, and those mountains will be removed in our life. Amen. Now, this is very important, especially when it comes to evangelism. There are demon spirits intent upon keeping us from getting souls saved. Well, we've got the equipment to move them out of the way. And that's what we need to do. Amen. Father, we bless you. We thank you for this day. We thank you, Father, for this session. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness and for your mercy. Now, Lord, uh, we take the word. We apply it to our heart, Lord. We walk it out by faith. And we'll be blessed because of it. And we give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.